It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damien Sassauer. Coming up on the show, we take a look at the changing media rights environment with Horizon Sports and Experiences founder and co-CEO David Levy. The NBA doesn't control the marketplace. The marketplace controls itself. We know that. It's, it's all about supply and demand. And I would say that uh, the NBA is probably, if not the top, number two in the most desired product out there. Levy's company is also getting ready to hold its second big pickleball tournament live on ESPN. We'll get his thoughts on that. Talking about the pickleball, all that and more coming straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. But first, it's the end of an era in New England. Yeah, because after over 20 years and let's face it, a lot of winning, Bill Belichick is officially out as head coach of the New England Patriots. It was a tenure that saw him become one of the sport's greatest winners and saw him earn over $200 million. Here's Bill Belichick saying goodbye to New England, at least for now. It's with um, just so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here, uh, but at this time, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna move on. The Pats wasted no time entering their new era post Belichick. The team announced it is hiring former player Gerard Mayo as head coach. To help us recap a busy week of NFL coaching news and more, we welcome back Bloomberg US Sports Business reporter Randall Williams. I don't know what football now is going to look like without Bill Belichick. He's not going anywhere. He's just not going to be in New England. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I've always thought of him with is that. Is that true, though? I mean, like, well, here's my question. Do you think a New England Patriots fan, do you think they're happy or sad? I mean, what do you think? Uh, when, I mean, when you win as much as they do and then you lose as dramatically as they have, they probably, it's bittersweet because you had so many championship parades, so many wonderful moments. But, I mean, even if he stayed in the coaching job, based on how they played on the field this year, I don't know where they go from here that he is going to build a quarterback up just because even if they select someone in this year's draft, based on how he's handled Mac Jones. Eh. See, now I'm going to just say it, and I'm sorry, Patriots fans, y'all are spoiled because yeah. I, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. We're losing our damn minds now, man. This is the in 30 years. We are hosting a playoff game, and here we are. And what's sad is I covered that 30 years ago when we hosted the other playoff game back when I had jet black hair and you know and looked as good as Randall. But now it's like, you know, now I'm limping all over the place. My point is a team is going to ebb and flow. And after a man has won as a coach, head coach, six Super Bowls, and now he's out the door after 24 years. He is not going anywhere in the coaching carousel. I think when ESPN Adam Schefter reported that 
you know, he's highly sought after by the Falcons and there's eight head coaching openings. Now someone is going to hire him. So one of the openings is in Seattle, but the way that Seattle's ha- handling uh, the departure of Pete Carroll is a little different than what's happening with the Patriots organization and Belichick. Pete Carroll is out as head coach, but he's not really leaving the organization, is he? That's what they're saying. I think it remains to be seen. Uh, he could stay on in an advisor role or something to that That something to that uh, effect. Brad Stevens for the Boston Celtics, he was coaching them for a number of years, and then he took a front office position. I think Pete Carroll could do something similar. Um, I think uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach did something as well. Uh, Bruce Arians. After they won the Super Bowl, he was on the sidelines doing God knows what, uh, telling people what to do and ordering Mike Evans to go defend Tom Brady. So this is like an amicable breakup rather than a Pete Carroll did not want it, um, as far as everything I've read. He did not want to leave that position. But just based on how the Seahawks season went, I believe they are 1.6-3. and And to finish nine and eight or eight and nine, one of the two, and miss the playoffs, it's disappointing because when the Seahawks play their division rivals, those games just get very, very tough for them. I mean, mm-hmm. you're expecting these division rival games to be a little closer, and every time they've played the 49ers, yep. it hasn't been pretty. And so, when you're looking, at, when I'm sure when the owner is looking at the future of the franchise and what they want to do, um, they just wanted to make a change. Speaking of coaching ranks, Jim I mean, Jim Harbaugh. Yes, Where right. do you think Jim winds up? He has a bunch of options. He can head to Los Angeles, which everyone wants to be in Los Angeles. Uh, He can head to Vegas. Mark Davis, I'm sure, would welcome him in open arms. So for the high-profile coaches out there, Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, I don't know if you can throw Vrabel in there, but he's a very good coach. There's a lot of options. Uh, There's going to be some people that are going to be left out. But the thing that is most interesting to me is with 25% of the league firing their head coaches, the NFL has long had a saga with the Rooney Rule. Will they hire people of color? <laughs> yeah. And with eight head coaching openings there, Eric Bieniemy is another candidate who was given this commander's job. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the commander's season didn't go the way that they wanted it to. But there's a number of people of color who are going to be interested in these jobs as well. Or is it? are they just going to hire these legacy coaching acts to come in and you know do things their way? Now, it, again, let's keep in mind, too, we're talking about coaches who are done with the regular season. Right. I'm expecting something to happen with coaches who are heading into the playoffs and then maybe get knocked out in round yeah, one. That's true, too. And then they get that, the axe, and now they're out on the market. I mean, you you look at the Cowboys. Jerry Jones did not say that Mike McCarthy's job was safe. He said, we'll see after the playoffs, which means, I think, it depends. NFC Championship or bust. You can't yeah. go out to the 49ers again. Um, there's also the Eagles. The Eagles were 10 and one. They finished 11 and six. I think it would be the biggest shock yet if the Eagles fired Nick Sirianni less than a year after he made the Super Bowl. But crazier things have happened. They fired a Super Bowl coach a couple years ago. So we'll see. Let's talk about the article that you wrote about Tiger Woods. Again, I, I think, you know, I'm hip because, you know, I know that Tiger Woods is with Nike and he's been there. Oh, my God. For like, you know. With Longer than I've been alive. Yeah. And now, all of a sudden, that's it. About 27 years with Nike. And uh, I remember when he first signed, it was like something like, what, $40 million? Mm-hmm. And people were like, $40 million? And now, today, that's like jump change. Yeah. That's one of the greatest marriages uh, I can think of, of any sports figure with any type of product. I thought that he would usher, he would have a... Uh, a- he would have a lifetime deal. 
Good. Because when you spend that much time with the brand, very rarely do you break up in that way. Um, and it, Was this a nasty breakup? No, I think Tiger chose to leave. Um, and so I think... He that, has something planned. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's Tiger. He has the world as his, as his oyster. And in large part of that is because of Nike. I mean, Nike mm-hmm. was doing golf advertisements that were bigger and better than everyone else. And so... Didn't Spike Lee direct some of those commercials? I or? believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Very and stylish. So, for Tiger, he can go and do anything he wants, but I was surprised that Nike didn't say like, here is a deal similar to Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and now Tiger can go and invest and do whatever else he wants next. Well, what's interesting is his son, Charlie, who's actually an up-and-comer, actually, um, you know- How old is Charlie now? He's young. He's 14. Yeah, yeah, he's very young. But I mean, so was Tiger. So I mean, I think he was wearing Grace. Now, I have a lot of Grace and Polos in my closet. I probably have Maybe you should be an ambassador. Yeah, no, I mean, or- exactly where I'm going with this, Randall. I'm glad you realized. Um, where do we think Tiger Woods is going to go to next? I mean, I, I, I'm thinking out loud there about the big brands on, for example, Uniqlo. Who went to Uniqlo? I can't remember. Um, Sorry, um, I can't get over that. Um, Roger Federer. I'm going to keep talking through this while they're laughing. Um, Randall, what, I mean, where do you think Tiger could be going? I mean, is he ever going to see a deal and the money he saw from Nike before? Potential. I mean, there's, there's a lot of brands out there who can cut him a check that would be in um, equity. When you're as big as him, you can throw a dart at the wall or dart, throw a dart at a spinning globe and it's going to make money. Uh, just because it's like, oh my gosh, this Tiger, this new Tiger Woods product. Um, so the world is his oyster. I, I don't even want to guess where he could go because I'm sure he's just taking meeting after meeting or maybe he's just sitting at whatever golf course and having a cocktail. I mean, like, oh, I mean, he could do nice. different things, right? He could sign with the Uniqlo because that's apparel. Then he could sign with On Holdings, which makes those sneakers that everyone yep. wears. I mean, he could break it up into different pieces. For sure. He could have an, a, but the thing is, everyone wants to have him as a whole. Of course. He could, he could definitely split it up, but it just gets complicated like that. Then the brand, you have to get all the brands to work together and it, it becomes a little weird if you are wearing one brand on the top, one brand on your pants and then a different brand on the like a soccer team from Europe. Yeah, in well, some ways, for I, sure. I mean, the navy blue, the, the the Madison navy blue doesn't match the royal navy blue from, you know, uh, from Grayson, you know, there's yeah. whatever. That, that's something his team will the have Nantucket, to work out. The Nantucket navy. No, but I mean, truthfully, I mean, you would think kind of the way LeBron is doing with his son, that that, that matters. That matters at this point in, in, in Tiger's life. You know, what is, you know, Charlie going to be doing? He wants to be involved with him, I'm sure. I thought the exact same thing, because what, what I think, could happen with Nike and LeBron is that LeBron said something interesting about Luka Doncic when he was coming out of the draft, and he said he wanted to sign him as the first LeBron brand sponsor. Well, if Luka, who is incredible, right. is not going to be him, then who could be him? I don't think it's going to be Wemby, because Wemby's already with Nike. It's probably going to be Bronny and Bryce right, right after. That's right. So why didn't a similar thing happen yeah. with Tiger Woods and Nike. Bloomberg U.S. Sports business reporter Randall Williams, you are the man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me as always. Up next on the show, we zero in on one NFL owner who made big changes coming out of the season and how his lack of success on the field might be impacting his bottom line. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. 
This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr for Scarlet Foo and Damian Sassauer. David Tepper is founder of Appaloosa Management, a $17 billion hedge fund. Yeah, but for our purposes, he's also the owner of the NFL's Carolina Panthers, who, let's face it, have not been doing... <laughs> too well lately. <laughs> that's right, Scarlett. The Panthers just finished up their sixth straight losing season. Now that's even after picking their quarterback of the future last year in Bryce Young. And now, the losing on the field and some of Tepper's reactions to it could be costing Tepper money off the field. To take us through all that, we welcome Bloomberg News Editor Tom Maloney. Tom, welcome to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thank you very much. Let's, let's just say David Tepper is a passionate man <laughs> And maybe he shouldn't have had a drink this particular day when video showed him apparently, and I'm couching the words, throwing a drink towards fans. And now the league says that's going to cost you at least Mm -hmm. $300,000. $300,000 sounds like a lot of money, but I think we need to put that in context for somebody who was worth... The equivalent of, of that for somebody worth half a million dollars would be a fine of about $8.56. <laughs> so it is it is pocket change for David Tepper. Well, Mike, we, I think we have to clarify that he threw a drink on Jacksonville Jaguar fans, and he's yes. the owner of the Carolina Panthers, because I think if he threw it on a Panthers fan, maybe this wouldn't be such a big deal. Yeah, um, but... You know, Tom, over to you. I mean, let's be really clear here. Who is David Tepper? Yeah, sure. So he is the founder of Appaloosa Management. Uh, which a hedge fund which has about $17 billion under management. Um, Is that all? It's been around for a long time. He started the hedge fund in 1993. So it's one of the oldest hedge funds that's out there. At this point, it's mostly just managing Tepper's own money. He's, uh, you know, around 90% of it is is insider money. So there's not a lot of external investors anymore. Um, it's It's... A lot of money, but it's a relatively small operation. It has about 23 employees, so it's not like um, it's not a Citadel. It's not a Point Seventy Two. It's it's one of the smaller hedge funds that's out there. It's one of the smaller hedge funds out there, but he's been doing really well. He's made some really really good investment decisions lately. That's right. This year the fund was up 20. percent um, One of the bets that we know about from public filings is he went big into tech stocks around the middle of the year. And as we know, they they had a great year on the back of all of this momentum around AI, on the back of falling interest rates as well. So he was early to that bet. And, um, you know, he, he, as I said, the fund is up around 20%. So financially, a great year for him. And he made about $2 billion personally. Well, he's had his ups and downs in terms of performance, right? I mean, he is not um, the most. Um, I guess. I guess they've they've had a volatile return stream. What can you say? But let's go back. Let's go back to the '90s. I mean, David Tepper started at Goldman Sachs. I think he left to start his own hedge fund in '93. You know, I joined Goldman in 1997, so I just missed my window there, unfortunately. But you know, Appaloosa has been around for, since forever, right? And so, you know, this is a guy I think you know famously used to have um, you know an interesting piece of um, uh, equipment on his desk. You know, he used to be a very intimidating fellow, and it seems like that intimidation doesn't seem to be working here in the NFL. I wonder if you could take us through a little bit about what has been brandied about him in terms of his ownership and his involvement in the team. Well, look, I think you can look at his record and and, and kind of uh, it speaks for itself a little bit. You know, he's on the they're on their sixth uh, head coach at the Panthers, um, so he's been churning through coaches. Three of them fired midseason. Um, you know, and I think he he's just not necessarily the most patient of people they've just gotten rid of their general manager as well so um one thing you could say about him is is he 
he puts his money where his mouth is. They made a big bet at the start of this season to get Bryce Young. They traded away a bunch of draft picks as well as one of their best players. That didn't work out at all. Um, you know, whether it's Young is not going to be their quarterback or whether he just didn't have the pieces in place to support him, that trade has been a bust. Um, but it was a gutsy a gutsy trade and a lot of people kind of applauded it, applauded him for it at the time. But uh, it just certainly hasn't worked out. Let me put it in perspective historically. Yes, teams ebb and flow. And yes, this is not a good period for the Panthers. But I'm going to bring up some history. I'm going to bring up the 1976-77 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh-oh. Oh, and they didn't win boo of, I mean, not boo of a game. Their, their head coach, John McKay, to me, had the best line ever said in football when they asked them. The reporter said, well, what do you think about your team's execution? And McKay comes back, yes, I'm all for it. Uh, it was, I mean, they were they were that bad. So this is the same thing that's happening with the Panthers. It, one day they could change it, and and, it, and Tepper seems the kind of guy where, hey, I want to well, put some money into it and and make a heck of a team. Well, Michael, also, I mean, this mold, the David Tepper mold, is is akin to what we're seeing, you know, with 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 former finance types like Josh Harris, mm-hmm. Stevie Cohen with the Mets, you know, very involved, very passionate, you know. Um, um, there's one owner I can think of who uh, I think is trying to sell the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, you know, so I mean, there's a lot of very passionate owners out there. I mean, Scarlett, uh, take your point. I mean, you know, what's to expect if this is the future and people don't have really the staying power or they really want to kind of em- enforce their will on a team? What does it mean for the future of the league? I don't know. It's a good question that you have uh, these investor types, billionaires who kind of approach owning a sports team in the same way that they approach how they might manage their team in the finance world. Um, What do we know about the interaction that David Tepper has with the management of the Panthers? How involved is he? And what does that say about his management style overall in the finance world? Well, I think... There was a really good, some great reporting that came out of the Athletic earlier this year that spoke about some of those interactions. So, you know, there was it was to the level where he was calling Frank Reich, his coach, before he fired him mid-season, and saying, "Look, you got to fix the quarterback's footwork and stuff like that." So very involved. There was a lot of politicking. You know, assistant coaches texting um, Tepper, trying to cover their own backs. So it doesn't sound like a fantastic environment. Not a fantastic environment, but does he have the experience that um, other owners might have managing a large, sprawling organization with different levels of staff? I mean, Appaloosa, as you mentioned, mainly manages his money, so it's not Mm -hmm. a huge operation, is it? That's right. It's only about 23 people. And Steve Cohen, you know, he's a hedge fund manager as well, but 0.72, more than 1,000 employees, so it's a very different type of operation. And when you come into an NFL team, it's not just the 53-man roster. You've got, you know, hundreds of employees. You've got scores of coaches. So it's a very big and complicated operation and business to run. Well, I'm sorry. I was going to say, to give you an idea about Tepper and his mindset, he told somebody, the first thing I think about is winning. The second thing I think about is winning. Yeah, look, one thing a hedge fund managers are known for is getting in and out of positions quickly. You know, if something isn't working out, you dump it. And that's not necessarily the way that you want to 
employ people, run a football team. Sometimes you've got to show patience, and that's not something that we've seen at the Panthers so far. Well, Michael, I mean, one last thing we also haven't really had a chance to get to is um, his interactions with um, with Rock Hill, with the community in Carolina. You know, he had agreed to do a real estate, I think, some sort of development deal there, and he's backed out of it since for whatever reason. And, you know, it's left a bad taste in a lot of locals' mouths, obviously. And fans are getting frustrated. I mean, if you've watched some of those Carolina Panthers games, admittedly, they, they didn't have a very good team. I mean, I don't remember, I mean, ever seeing a stadium look that empty. I'm not even kidding you. It was really poor. So, you know, he's got his work cut out for him, I'm sure. Right, Michael? Oh, my goodness. And you're right. I I was looking at one game, and uh, there was pretty much not anybody. There were a lot of seats disguised as fans <laughs> uh, in one in several of those games. Probably the opposing team's fans, yeah. too. <laughs> David Tepper, I'm hoping that, you know, you turn it around. I, I, so I do much. root for an owner, so... Sir, thank you so much, Tom Maloney, our Bloomberg News Editor, and you are very kind to come in and join us. Thanks again. My pleasure. Uh, Up next on the show, we talk with Horizon Sports and Experiences founder and co-CEO David Levy. You are listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Thank you for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scarlett Fu and Damian Sassauer. One thread we've been following here on the Bloomberg Business of Sports is how much the media landscape is growing and changing. One firm that's looking to the future of sports and media is Horizon Sports and Experience. That's right, Michael. Horizon is a sports marketing and consulting firm led by David Levy. He's founder and co-CEO, and he's also the former president of Turner Sports. Damian and I, we got the chance to talk with him about the changing sports media landscape, plus what his company is up to. Let's take a listen to that conversation. So, David, I mean, you are the co-CEO of Horizon Sports and Experiences, but prior to that, obviously, you were President Turner. You were elected to the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame, your sports business journal, most influential executives. You see his you know, Emmy there in the I, shot, folks? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the question, you know, we have is a big story has been running on Bloomberg this week about the, um, the, 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 the NBA rights that are going to go on the block this year. Um, I think the number, if I'm not mistaken, was $24 billion with Walt Disney and Warner Brothers Discovery to deal about 10 years ago. Talk to us about what that- Seven years ago. Seven years ago, I did that deal. Oh my God. So talk to us. (laughs) What what are we expecting this time around? Listen, you know, know, the NBA doesn't control the marketplace. The marketplace controls itself. We know that. It's it's all about supply and demand. And I would say that uh, the NBA is probably, uh, if not the top number two in the most desired product out there meaning from a demand standpoint, uh, younger audiences, high ratings, um, you know, big brand names as far as team brands, as well as individual athlete brands, um, global in nature. I mean, it, it, the NBA is probably, the, the other than soccer, the largest global sport on our planet. 
um, so or, or basketball, I should say, uh, on our planet. Uh, and our and those brands traveled into market by market. So I would say that um, this property is going to be pursued in a very, very big way. Mm. I think the incumbents will somehow maintain some relationship with the NBA, meaning I think both um, uh, Warner Brothers or Warner Brothers Discovery uh, and ESPN will have the NBA uh, not just on their uh, cable channels, but I also think they'll have extended into their streaming services, both on ESPN Plus and, and Max. And then I think there'll be incremental partners, um, meaning additional. And I think that's, you know, the, the jury's out on who that may be. Is it going to be one? Is it going to be two? Um, you know, I think we've all heard, you know, Amazon certainly has been circling Apple, the hoop. Alphabet. I mean, they're all circling. You know, you know they're all circling the hoop. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, our, our friends over at Comcast NBC ha have a lot of interest as well. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have interest in 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 one of the most global, if not the global sport other than soccer in yeah. the world um, and the brand names and pop culture and what it means and the audience uh, and so forth? So um, I think it's going to be highly pursued. I think I think it's going to be a lot of money. Um, and I think um, the NBA has done a terrific job. I think their in-season tournament, by the way, uh, is going to be carved out and probably sold as a separate package wow, as well. Wow, yeah, and that makes sense. Yeah, Adam, yeah, and, and I think what Adam did, to be honest with you, and, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other people other than Adam within the NBA that came up with all these ideas, but, you know, I loved, you may not like the court um, as far as what it looked like uh, when they had those in-season uh, in tournament games, but... From a television perspective and a fan perspective, you knew it was a different game. You knew that game was, oh, that's an in-season tournament game. So it stood out. Um, and, and yes, I think the players had some arguments about it. Maybe the fans didn't love it. So maybe you continue to, to, to change it a little bit. But having a different court, having a different uniform, knowing that that game means something else, having an early in-season tournament, you know what? People watch the Lakers win. Yeah, People care. Um, and I think that's I think the players, you know, you know, LeBron, you know, OK, he makes a lot of money. But, the, you know, the 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 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th man on the bench, that's a lot of money to them. And and I think, you know, when you play on a team, you want to make sure you support everyone on your team. And so I saw everybody play hard for these games. So, you know, I'm excited for I'm excited to see how the, the out the, this this plays out. Um, it, I think it starts playing out in April, May, and June of this coming year, and uh, I think you're going to be, um, I think you're going to see some real uh, increases uh, of what the existing packages were. Well, it's nice to see the Lakers can win something, eh, Michael? Oh, <laughs> see, you know what? I'm gonna, I'll, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I thought when pickleball first came out, oh, this is cute. Yeah, this would be a cute. little fad, this or that, and this or that. No, this thing has grown big time, and now it's like, I might have to learn how to play pickleball. You might have to. Yes. It, yeah. Come on. It's, 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 it's happening. Yeah, it is. Tell me about it. It's like, I, I'm going to start it with the generic question, how the popularity has grown before we get into how you guys are connected with, with the upcoming tournament. Yeah, well, the popularity uh, has been growing like a weed, um, it, it's probably, and it's been already stated and documented, it's the fastest growing sport right now in the U.S. 
Um, you know, there's close to 40 million people playing this uh, uh, this sport. And, uh, you know, we, we at HSE was trying to figure out a way how to get in. You know, we, we don't represent a league and we don't have any pickleball athletes. So what was our entryway into getting into this fastest growing sport? And we figured out how to do that by taking, I don't know, the best names in, in racket sports today and putting them in the fastest growing sport and putting a million dollar purse on it. And that's what the Slam 1 was, and that's what Slam 2 is coming up on February 4th. David, for audience, we have to pull a feather out of your Turner Broadcasting days. The match, right? I mean, that's really where the brainchild for this came from, right? Tiger Woods against Phil Mickelson, and and then last year, obviously, you had the doubles match with Agassi, Chang, and and, uh, and, and what, what do we have this year? A little bit of a change in format, no? Yeah, a little bit of change, but uh, you're absolutely right about the match, and that was the simple idea of basically taking the biggest names in golf and putting them head-to-head for a $9 million purse. Yeah. And that was the original match. Um, the later matches, where when I was an at-turner, became a little bit more charity-driven and a little more celebrity-focused. And um, I like to stick with authenticity and and focus on real money, real names, and real matches. And so we, uh, the first one was McEnroe and Chang against Agassi and Roddick. That's and right. Agassi and Roddick actually won uh, on the final point of of the tournament, which was kind of exciting. So it went all the way down to the last point, and uh, and so Agassi is sort of defending now with his wife Steffi Graf. So Agassi and Steffi are now playing against McEnroe and Sharapova. Well, let's talk and, about that. Uh, you can't have, I mean, yeah. I mean, sorry, David, talk to us about that initial matchup because, I mean, the uh, just uh, beyond our wildest dreams, 237,000 viewers under 50 years mm. of age. Is that right? And, and if I'm not mistaken, it performed better than most Major League Baseball and NBA games for the week. Yeah. So, you know, talk to yeah. us about your expectations for this matchup. Well, you know, as you know, programming and, and making sure you find the right slot for these types of events are really, 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 really important. The match, when we did the first match on Turner, we did that on Friday before mm-hmm. the NFL decided that that might be a good spot for, for TV audiences. We did it on the Friday of Thanksgiving uh-huh. um, when there wasn't a lot of competition. Um, the first match was actually done between the semifinals and finals of March Madness, and we were actually the lead-in to the women's finals uh, of the NCAA tournament. So. Finding the right slot and having that kind of rating, I think, was a combination of the you know where the slot was, and and at the time that was at daytime, uh, Sunday at twelve noon. This is going to be in prime time. Wow! This is going to be the Sunday, the week before the Super Bowl. Uh, our lead, we're we're the lead out now of the pickleball slam, excuse me, of, of the um, of the Pro Bowl uh, and an NBA game. So the Pro Bowl is going to run on Sunday on ESPN and then they have an NBA game and then the pickleball slam comes on slam two comes on at uh, 8 30 that night so um, obviously the, the success of slam one um, you know had ESPN figure wait maybe we ought to put this thing in prime time that's former Turner sports president and founder and CEO of Horizon Sports and Experiences David Levy coming up More of that conversation. You're listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th. 
a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scarlett Fu and Damian Sassauer. We're listening to a conversation Damian and I had with David Levy. He is the founder and co-CEO of Horizon Sports and Experiences and former Turner Sports president. Let's dive back into that conversation. You're talking about stars in tennis that have moved over to a brand new racket sport that are endured and loved by a lot of people out there. And and I think you're going to get one heck of an audience. Yeah, I do too. And and I think ESPN does as well. I mean, here, here's what's really exciting. Um, we're, we, we sold out slam one from a ticket perspective. So just, you know, having people attend um, is pretty exciting. And I think, you know, these legends uh, of, of racket sports and, and uh, they love, they love the fans. And when the fans are cheering, and it was, I mean, this was a competitive slam one. You know, you kind of, I didn't know. I didn't know whether these guys were going to play as hard as they did and wanted as badly as they did. But the crowd got into it, and they got into it. And I think that's what attracted the audience as well on TV, is that they saw the competitiveness. You know, these guys are all competitors. They didn't win slams because they did it the half-ass. Yeah. You know, they did it because they want to win. And... uh um, that's what I'm seeing right now. We know that all of them have been practicing. We actually, one of the new twists this year is that we actually brought in some coaches. Um, we actually have two, uh, what I would call playing coaches, Jack Sock, who is an ex tennis, who just joined the, um, uh, uh, major league pickleball. He's now going to become a professional pickleball player, uh, is teaming up with, um, he's on the, uh, uh, Agassi Steph side and James Blake, who actually owns a pickleball team, is going to be playing on the McEnroe um, uh, uh, Sharapova side. So uh, a little added twist Interesting. to this year and uh, a little coaching because I think these people really want to win. And uh, we're bringing a little element of, of, of the uh, professional pickleball side into this as well guys you know why i am a, a huge fan of steffi graf and you all remember this at this moment she's playing in a tournament and as she's preparing to get ready for the serve someone shouts out from the crowd marry me and then steffi graf shouts back how much money do you have <laughs> <laughs> she won me over right there well I, you know I'll, t- I'll say this michael Barr and david you know i mean you know let's take a step back here because it's more than just you know obviously the marketing and and the sponsorship consulting and 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 everything that you bring to horizon sports and entertainment which is a company that you created just less than two years ago i want to talk about the experience of this event you know the experiential activation or so to speak is one of your pillars there talk to us about what yep. somebody in attendance can expect they're at the hard rock in hollywood florida they walk in what's that experience going to be like well first of all this is a weekend experience kind of like you know you want to create not just experience for one two and a half hour event you want to kind of create experience for the weekend so we start off with an amateur event um that we're hosting on friday and saturday uh with a twenty five thousand dollar purse 
But what's unique and different, because there's tons of amateur pickleball events, right? What makes this different is not only does the amateur win a substantial amount of money, but they also get a chance to play against the stars. So each of the two winners of the amateur event actually get to play against Agassi uh, and Steffi and McEnroe. Wow. And uh, that's cool. And Sharapova. Wow. So that's unique. And what's cool about that is it's, you know, it's on a street. We're doing it at a, we actually re, re turned over a, a uh, public parking lot and are going to lay down uh, 15 pickleball courts. Oh, wow. Um, uh, in the Miami area. And, uh, and then this, this, this match against the stars is like having, you know, what, what, what's the park up in uh, New York where the basketball players kind of just show right, up sometimes. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. right. What's, Rutgers, the, the, Rutgers down the village, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, Rutgers Park, right? This is the same kind of experience. I mean, these guys are going to be sitting on, in the, you know, playing in a pickleball match in, in a public, you know, parking lot. So, um, you know, last year we did it in a park, you know, had thousands of people show up uh, to watch the Saturday uh, finals against, you know, the, the, them to play against the legends. So that's that's Friday and Saturday. Then on Saturday night, there's a, uh, a, a, a what I would call an interview with the stars, kind of like a uh, panel discussion of, you know, their, their history and why they're here and so forth and so on. And then it leads into a uh, blackjack uh, <laughs> event at the Hard Rock on Saturday night uh, with all the VIPs. And then on Sunday is is the actual event, well, Sunday night, and th- that's where it kicks off. And uh, excited to have that kind of whole weekend. So um, it, it, it's it's going to be at the Hard Rock uh, Live uh, Auditorium, which holds about forty five hundred people uh, in the auditorium. Wow. And yeah. here you are, you're going to have it live on ESPN, uh, eight thirty on Sunday night, Feb fourth. You said blackjack tournament. And my ears perked up like a German shepherd. You, you got? Do you, can you describe more about this tournament, this blackjack tournament? So it's not really a tournament. It's, it's really a way for um, VIPs and sponsors. You know, we, we have right. a tremendous sponsors, yeah. you know, uh, that have come into to the event, State Farm and and uh, Bright House and, and Franklin. And I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of of great um, uh, advertisers, but they're all bringing down some of their key sponsors and CMOs, and it's a way for them to interact with the stars. Roddick is actually gonna be um, one of the uh, uh, announcers for the event. So uh-huh. we have him in there as so, so it's a way to basically play a little blackjack, have a little fun, get to meet the talent uh, uh, kind of event. Well, David, talk for, to for us- sponsors. Talk to us a little bit about pickleball, because I know, you know, there's a pickleball league that's up and coming. I know there's been a lot of talk about LeBron James getting the rights to the New York pickleball team and all this crazy stuff. I mean, how does this uh, kind of interplay with that? You know, are you involved at all with that pickleball league? Is this something that in the future, perhaps um, you see, you know, you know, your company doing more on the pickleball front with? I mean, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts about the sport itself and what the future lies and hold. Yeah, well, it's also great questions. I, I don't know where our company may or may not fit. I, I've somehow become the pickleball king just because of this event uh, and seem to people think I'm an expert uh, in pickleball, um, which I'm not. Um, what I am an expert in trying to figure out is is working with the fastest growing sport and trying to f- find an event that has authenticity, which is, you know, uh, the opportunity to actually win a million dollars, play for a million dollars and put the best 
uh, names in racket sports in the fastest growing sport. Pickleball, listen, there's no doubt it's growing. There's no doubt the participation. There's no doubt the love of people that do play it. Um, whether it's a television event, whether it could actually be a league, um, you know, still to be determined. Right. But you certainly have um, you certainly have brand names who are on the cap tables on a lot of these franchises. You know, you have the Gary Vaynerchuks, you have uh, you know the Mark Cubans of the world. Yeah, you, you have a lot of uh, big big names that seem to be wanting to get a part of this because it is growing so fast. Um, and, and I do believe it's here to stay. I don't think anybody's going to give up on it. Um, you know, Padel is another uh, sport that's growing. It's very, very popular over in Europe and Spain uh, and in Latin America. It hasn't really hit the States yet, but um, it's also going to be, I think, a very strong growing sport. Um, it, it's a little bit more expensive to put a Padel court in uh, than, a, than a pickleball court. Um, but um, I, I do believe that's also growing. So, Racket sports in general. Listen, everybody's getting healthier. Doctors are doctors are loving this sport because I'm hearing a lot of injuries are happening. So a lot, a lot of old a lot of old men are twisting knees right. and things of that nature, but but and hamstrings and things. But, Popping calves. Um, you preach into the is, choir here. Yeah, I, I do believe it's here to stay. I do believe professional pickleball is going to have a role somewhere because the, the 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 sport is growing and it is athletic. And there is competition. The reason why I think it's growing so fast um, in the public space is because it's easy to pick up. You know, if you have hand-eye coordination, you could have a pretty competitive game with somebody that's really maybe not a great pickleball player if he has hand good hand-eye coordination. You know, you can't do that in tennis. Like, if you're a bad tennis player and you're a really good tennis player, you're not going to have a very good experience. But, you know, if you're an average pickleball player and a good pickleball, you could have at least a, a fun experience. It's also very commutative, meaning, you know, there's a lot of um, opportunity to have a lot of socializing. You're, you're close to each other. Um, where tennis, you're much more far apart. So there's a, a social aspect, a competitive aspect. And I think that's why you're seeing such, such um, high growth in this. And, um, you know, what this event is, is you know everybody loves these brand names everybody wants to see them back on the court McEnroe as you saw in slam one um you know was angry yeah you know yeah. as Michael said you know he saw him being angry and missing shots or maybe Darren you said that whatever name excuse me you know so I, I think this is going to be uh, a very uh, well uh hopefully um watched event and hopefully we'll see great numbers as we did in Slam 1. I know we're running out of time, but you mentioned something when we were talking about the, the Blackjack tournament, about sponsors coming in, and you guys are picking up more sponsors with this this tournament for the Pickleball tournament. Uh, and, and it's growing and growing. Where do you see the sponsorship growing from this? Oh, I think just, just up. I mean, you know, everything starts at some place, right? And then it has to grow from there. I think you're going to see, I bet you, and let's let's find out if I'm right. I bet you you're going to see ads in the Super Bowl that have pickleball in it. I don't know who, I don't know what, no one knows the Super Bowl ads. They're all kind of secretive. But, you know, if you start watching TV right now and you're seeing some of the major brands 
I see car companies using pickleball in their ads and I see insurance companies using pickleball. It's it's going to be part of pop culture and it's going to be part of, you know, uh, ads in the future. So I think advertisers are starting to understand there's a large audience um, and uh, I think it's a easy way to get yourself uh, into a new fan base. David Levy, you are the man, founder and co-CEO, Horizon Sports and Experiences behind Slam 2. And it is probably going to be one of the most talked about pickleball tournaments of the year. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We really do appreciate it. Thank you both. Appreciate it. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show, and we are here each and every week at the same time. I'm Michael Barr for Scarlett Foo and Damian Sassauer. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big old money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.